news. Get your news. I kind of want to get one of those. Here. Those bells. Hear ye, hear ye. You know, it could be a little boy with a felt cap on the corner, standing on some newspapers. When I was a when yeah, when I was a small boy, uh, I was I had some. So I don't know if it was like a youth-led church service or what it was, but I had some sort of role given to me in my Salvation Army church service. When I like, I must have been like eight or nine or something. And I think we were like introducing, it was like to introduce a song that the kids were going to sing or something. It was like a fairly upbeat song. And and I, my job was to walk in through the back of the church. And I think I had like, yeah, one of those like those hats on and maybe like a vest or something to kind of like make myself look early 1900s. <laughs> and um and I think I was like waving a newspaper or something. And I was like, extra, extra, read all about it. And then some sort of, I can't remember what I said after that, but it was like some, some sort of thing to like tee up the, tee up the song that was going to be sung. But uh, yeah, maybe that's, that's what we got to start doing. We got to start, you know, start uh, standing out on street corners with megaphones instead of broadcasting this on the internet. <laughs> take, take it back to the streets. Yeah, yeah. Get get back to back to basics, you know. Hello and welcome to the Movie Man Podcast. Dubby team. That's Carl. That's Brady. And uh, we're here doing the news. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Uh, we do a among many other shows that we do on this podcast. We do a weekly news show where we cover some of the topics that we're interested in um, from the last seven days of 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 the world of movie news. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of a shorter show today, just because last week was like two and a half hours. Um, and so, you know, we've, uh, we've met our quota, but, um, and it was also just a slight, it kind of worked out that it's sort of a slower news week last week. So, uh, yeah. So all things are kind of copacetic that way. So let's, uh, let's dive in. We are, old and as such we remember cable cable tv right? uh, yes never yeah. had it i Ter- had cow cable cow okay there you go you had like a you had an antenna no we didn't even have an antenna we just whatever the tv picked up we got uh, so okay. three channels right. tvo so three, cbc yeah. and ctv we had <laughs> i had a cod we had a cottage up near like the Algonquin area. Um, but it was like way back in the middle of nowhere. And it, it had an antenna on the side of the house, but I don't know that it was actually hooked up or working properly because yeah, there was maybe three channels, three, maybe four channels. Um, and, and half of those channels were pretty snowy. Um, but you, I mean, you weren't going to spend a week at the cottage to watch TV anyways. Right. But, uh, they even had, um, there was a VC, there was a VCR, um, so you could bring movies or rent movies or whatever. But there was also like a Betamax player, and so you could wow. watch. Yeah, which we never used because as a kid, I was like, I don't like, I don't think any of the movies that were in the suitcase there full of full of Betamax tapes. I don't think any of them were like 
ones that I would have been interested. They're probably all like old John Wayne films and stuff like that. But uh, but yeah, so cable TV. Uh, you know, such a time where you you turned on the TV. Maybe you were fortunate enough to have a remote, but there's also a good chance that the remote was lost or gone or broken, and so you'd go up to the front of the TV to press the buttons or turn the knob. Um, or maybe you had one of them massive satellite dishes. Yeah, well, we're not there yet. Just it's that was just, a thing. Just cable, man. <laughs> just cable. So we had that was cable. around the same time as cable. Those big dishes. I had a friend that had one. A big. Oh, okay. One of the big, big ones. Yeah, like the big black ones that almost the size of a trampoline. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we had actual satellite, which is yeah. sort of the next progression, which was very similar to cable, with the exception that instead of you know sixty channels, you had. 200 channels and um and the introduction of like pay-per-view stuff so like you could additionally pay you could pay for different packages which i think you could do with cable as well like you could pay for more channels you could tack on to your cable package um i'm not entirely sure um and then from satellite, we kind of got into like the next sort of upgrade. But at that, so at that point, with both of those, you were still pretty much tied to TV's schedule. Yeah, shit was going to play when it was going to play, and you were going to watch it or you weren't. And yeah, outside you, of buying VHSs, you had the opportunity to to yeah pop in a VHS renting. and set the time. So that you could, you know, you're like, ah, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to be home to press record, but I'm going to tell my. I'm going to miss the game. Don't talk to me about the game. I'm going to record it. I'm going to record it and I'll watch it on the VHS later and fast forward through the commercials. Um, then we got into like PVRs. So you could record, it was basically the same concept as, as, um, as recording onto a VHS was, except it was like a, a a unit that would sit in your entertainment center and it had a hard drive in it and you could yeah. record several shows or movies or whatever off TV and, and watch them back. Um, yeah. right around that time, uh, Netflix started up and you could get your TV or movies in the mail. Yeah. You DVD. would, you would rent, um, you'd rent them through the mail and, uh, they tried to interesting thing about Netflix. They tried to, sell themselves to or no they tried to buy i think they tried to buy blockbuster or sell themselves to blockbuster or something and blockbuster basically said like yeah like your your model <laughs> it'll never work yeah your model's not going anywhere and nobody cares um and so you know and when's the last time you saw blockbuster um and then Netflix kind of shifted because Netflix shifted not only out of innovation, but Netflix shifted sort of out of necessity because it just became too gargantuan a task to have X many copies of X many movies, send them through the mail, have no late fees, which means you may or may not get your disc back like it was it was just a, a warehouse marketing for something that was started up in some guy's kitchen it was it was a a, a gargantuan overwhelming task um mm. and so began the ability to stream 
Ah, you missed a step. I was wondering if you're going to do this. There was a little micro shift before they shifted to online. They did go to um, like pop machine style rental. Oh yeah, devices. you could. Yeah, it's like this little micro shift from okay, mail's not working. Let's shift to machines outside of stores. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and I mean that changed and the then way it that eventually you, shifted online. <laughs> that that changed yeah. the way you got your content, but it, it <clears throat> didn't change the way it didn't change your viewing experience. Right. You still it, it was no different than, you know, essentially going to the store and renting a movie versus ordering it through the mail and renting a movie or going to the, the mall and getting it out of a kiosk. <clears throat> it was still once you got home, you still put the movie in and, and it mm-hmm. was on a disc and there it was. It's still a shift, though. Yeah, I think it's an important. And there wasn't and it was it was mostly movies like yeah. it, it, you weren't you weren't contacting like netflix wasn't sending you seasons of tv shows on discs through the mail yeah i'm just i I think it's an important kind of little shift to put in there like it it was very small and didn't last very long but i think it was like it's very interesting shift and and therefore i in my mind it's important okay okay you feel good now i do okay Um, and then began streaming. And for the longest time, the only real name in streaming was Netflix. Netflix almost became, for a very long time, uh, kind of like Google, right? You wouldn't say, oh, I'm going to look something up on the web. I'm going to go to my browser. Even if you, even if you didn't use Google, there were people who used like Bing and Yahoo and stuff like that. It, you still, it it just became a verb. You could Google it. Oh, they straight up monopolized the the kind of that that space for years. Which Google or Netflix? Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, kind of, absolutely. Uh, it was it was if you you know service. you could watch something on TV. You could rent something or put a DVD in or a Blu-ray in, or you could watch it on Netflix. Um, And that was kind of, that was it. We are now, I would say, still in the starting stages of, like, in the grand scheme of things. I know it's been going on for a while now, Um, but... I would say we're still sort of in the infant stages of the streaming wars, which is everyone's everyone's building their army, everyone's getting their militia, and they're they're placing their their little soldiers on the risk board, and they're <laughs> attempting to take over as much as much land as they possibly can. Um, and so, to give you sort of just a rough, and this is this isn't even all of them. This is just kind of like a. a a basic a basic look we now have netflix amazon prime disney plus hbo max discovery plus yoku paramount plus apple tv plus hulu peacock um crunchyroll i would say is to, you know crave um Lionsgate Plus, like there's little ones that you don't even, you're like, oh yeah, that studio has one. Oh, okay. I, I wouldn't have known. Yeah. Well, um, okay. So I just, I just Googled, um, uh, how many street list of streaming services and it took me to a wiki page that kind of lists them all. So <clears throat> there are, I just counted them. It was like 42. There are 42 different streaming services that have one over, over 1 million subscribers. Yeah, 
including now YouTube, YouTube Premium, yeah. right? Like even YouTube hopped on the bandwagon and we're like, yeah, we'll stream movies and TV shows to people if they pay for them. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> sure. We've, we've got the infrastructure there to have videos on the internet and have people click on them and watch them. We're, we have apps on everyone's TVs and cell phones and tablets and whatever else. Um, so we're in the streaming wars. And when streaming started, it was advertised very much so as not only a more convenient way of, of watching TV and shows over something like cable because you had you had control over when you watched it and you could binge things so began mm-hmm. binging binge binge watching was never a thing until streaming because it just wasn't wasn't really you know unless you owned the box set <laughs> yeah but even then it was like it wasn't a common like a binge watching wasn't in our our lexicon it wasn't a, in our dictionary right it wasn't um, yeah yeah it and, wasn't it uh, wasn't a th- a word or a, a known kind of thing i think people did it still sure like sure. i think i did it for sure i like watched four or five episodes of something on a dvd and yeah, there's yeah, Carl on it. Was just, it was more morning. just like, yeah, I'm gonna watch this this a- all this all afternoon. Was, Carl, wasn't... do you want to hang out today? I can't. I'm watching reboot. Which yeah. oh, which which episode? All of them. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> all of reboot. I do have the box set of reboot, which is another for those like just to age us. <laughs> so many people right now are what the hell's reboot and and to localize us. <laughs> That's a yes. very Canadian thing. Yes. Um. But it but streaming was also advertised as the cheaper option it cost a fraction of the price of cable to have a netflix subscription and that was true and so lots of people cut cable lots of people cut i have not had cable in 14 years it's been 14 years since i've like seen a a, you know sat down and been like oh what's on you know yeah i don't think yeah hmm did I have, I think I only had cable for like two years when I lived in Kitchener. Yeah. Did I have it. Uh, yeah. So like for me, it would have been like, when I moved back home to Hanover, that was like almost 15, 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've never had cables to move home. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, that was, it was true that it was cheaper back when your options were so limited. Right when it was just simply Netflix. Nowadays, as we've just listed, there's so many streaming services, and a lot of the, some of those yeah. are free, free with ads. It's, I think we've talked about this. I don't think we've talked about it on the show, but it's it's essentially become the problem that cable used to be, and that cable was you pay for cable, you get your basic package. But if you want to watch sports or you want the movie network or you want, you, you have to pay for these extra packages, which increase your bill. So mm-hmm. it's essentially the same thing. I want Netflix. That's what the bake is essentially like the basic package. But then I also want to watch the Disney stuff. Okay. Now I got to add this onto my package <laughs> so yeah. it's by adding, paying multiple streaming services. You're, yeah. you're adding to your quote unquote package the way you did with cable. And so, like, just alone, I've got, 
what have I got? We've got Netflix, which is what, like 17 Canadian bucks or so a month, 17, 18 bucks yeah, a month. Depending on the package. Yeah. Um, I've got Discovery Plus, which uh, I absolutely love. And it's like six bucks a month. And I, I recommend it to just about anyone who enjoys like, you know, stuff like Mythbusters or Dirty Jobs or or even like they've got other stuff on there, like the TLC stuff. So they've got all your like Naked Cartoon and Afraid and Cake Boss and Treehouse Makeover, whatever, you know. Um, this is like six bucks a month and it's it's totally freaking awesome and worth it. Um, we have Disney Plus, obviously, which is, I what, Disney Plus is maybe like 11 bucks a month now or something like that. Um so still not quite, and that's those are the three that we have right now. So I'm still not at the the cost that. Oh, and sorry, and I have Prime. I have Prime Video, which just comes along with the fact that I have Amazon Prime, anyways. But I think that's like seven or eight bucks a month. Um, and so I'm still not at the point where I'm paying more for streaming than I would have been back with cable. Right, assuming your cable package is like 70, 80 bucks a month. Um, now, having said that though, there are, I've been fighting off getting um, my HBO Max subscription for a little while now because there's a bunch of things. I used to have it, I used to have HBO Max, um, which actually, correct me if I'm wrong. That's separate but- from Discovery Plus? HBO, uh, oh, what am I? Because I'm, I'm still on the wiki site, and it, it says is, HBO Max and Discovery It is in Canada. It's separate in Canada, or is it not Discovery Plus that I have? Yeah, no, it's Discovery Plus. Um, it's it's different in Canada. Yeah. They're separate. pay for them separate in Canada. And so, because our HBO Max, which we can't get in Canada, is Crave. So if you want your HBO content, you right. get Crave. Yeah, I'm looking at the areas served on the wiki, and Canada's not there for HBO Max. Yeah, so we get Crave. Now, I used to have Crave, and Crave was like eight bucks, nine bucks a month, and it was great. I watched Euphoria on there, Friends was on there, you had all your, like, Peacemaker was on there, CSI was on there. There was a, a bunch of great shows. Then I, for whatever reason, I let my Crave subscription lapse, and like a month later, went to go sign back up for it and discovered that there had been a, a paradigm shift uh, as far as financial setups went with Crave. Now, Crave is that $8, $9 a month package still exists. However, it is now, a, I think it's a limited library. You can only watch it on your desktop you can only watch it through the web thing you can't you know fire it up on your tv on an app or whatever um and it's i think a lower it's capped at a lower resolution if you mm-hmm. want proper your all the way around crave that's got you know watch it on your xbox watch it on your tv watch it wherever it's like 20 bucks a month 21 bucks a month um and so I've I've put off signing back up for it because I'm like, ah, that's uh that's a big that's a big jump. What um just before we get into to the rest of this, what what streaming services do you guys have at your place? 
Uh, so we pay for Netflix and Disney. And then we have access to uh, an Amazon account. Oh, okay. Cool. And we have in the past had access to a Crave account, but we don't use it. So no. we don't have access to it anymore. Which but, you will uh, at some point need to get back on that. Unfortunately, we're going to have to both get back on the Crave account because that's where all of the DC shows are going to drop. So we're going to find ourselves in a in a position there. Mm. But that'll probably be one of those services where like we, you know, it'd be like, okay, the Wonder Woman shows out. We got to review the Wonder Woman show. So we'll sign up for Crave. Okay. The Wonder Woman show is done and nothing's coming out for another two months. Cancel the Crave. <laughs> Cancel it. Cancel it now. Um, it's expensive, man. Is it? There's so, there's, if you it, want yeah, to have access quick. to everything, it's crazy. Hundreds and hundreds of dollars you can spend a month, adds which up is real quick. Which is why, in a recent study, it was shown that a lot of people only sign up for any given subscription service because there's one show that they're interested in, and once they're done watching that one show, they cancel it. Hmm. I've heard about this, yeah, with like uh, Stranger Things and Rings of Power. And and it doesn't surprise me because like I'm – that's sort of exactly where I am with the Crave thing, right? Like Netflix, Netflix we always just kind of have there and it's, you know, like if you're just looking for something to throw on, then Netflix is a great option, Stranger Things and, you know, whatever else. Disney Plus, Disney Plus we always have on because Marvel shows and Star Wars and, and you know, what have you. Like it's, you just at, – at this point for <clears throat> someone like me and like you, Disney Plus is a given. That, that would be a hard one to sort of cut ties with. Um, but Crave – Crave is going to be one of those ones that up until this point, yeah, you know, maybe maybe I want to finally sit down and watch all of Game of Thrones. I would have to sign up for Crave to do that. Now, currently, there's not really much else on Crave that I'm interested in, so I would probably cancel it as soon. I would, like, try to binge Game of Thrones, and then I would cancel it right after. Another, actually, a really great example right now for Crave or HBO Max would be The Last of Us. Like, a lot of people signed up just to watch The Last of Us. And now that The Last of Us is over, for now, they've they've canceled that account because ah, I'm not watching anything on there. I don't need to be signed up for it. Um, so you hear this. Does this, I, I don't know, does this surprise you that, that the this is like the majority, the majority <clears throat> of people, over 50% of people who are signed up to any given streaming service are signed up temporarily um, because there's, there's one show they're interested in, right? Maybe they maybe they don't care about Star Wars, but they're really big into the MCU. And so every time, you know, every couple of months, an MCU show drops and they hop on Disney Plus for a month, month and a half to, to watch it. And then they cancel it and they'll revisit again in a couple of months. What are your thoughts? It doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I mean, there are, there are, I know, I know of, I don't know the names of them, but I've seen them in like advertisements before YouTube or paid sponsorships for a YouTube YouTuber will talk about <clears throat> where there are like, there are programs out there where you, you, they, they manage your subscriptions. So they'll, they'll oh, yeah. cancel your subscriptions after the date you input. Yep. 
right? So that, not just and not just for big, that, like memberships for you no, know any like, any kind of subscription. It'll model. be like, hey, you you still have this gym membership from the city you used to live yeah. in? Do you, are any you still kind going of subscription to this gym model? Because it doesn't it does it works off of your kind of credit card information or banking information. But anyway, <clears throat> the point the, the point of that those the, that kind of um, app or whatever is like the 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 danger of signing up for any subscription model is that you sign up for it, you use it for a bit, and then like the gym membership's a perfect example, right? Like you sign up for your gym membership. And you forget. They take your money out of your bank account every month. And then after a couple months, you unless you're like a real diehard and you keep going, you forget. And now yeah, they've I- got free money every month because you're not using the gym. Because I don't know about you, but I'm not. So, and like, these, 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 like that goes with, especially with these. Like, if I were to sign up for Netflix, I've got Netflix and Disney, and access to Amazon. Just those three. If I were to actually pay for those three uh, on my own dime, like 40 I would bucks not be getting my value out of Amazon. I no. rarely ever watch anything on Amazon. I have access to it. Do you guys shop with Amazon? Like, do you order things on Amazon? No, no. Well, it's not okay. our Prime account, so we don't. Right. So then, yeah, you def you definitely right. wouldn't. But get we do shop value. on Amazon, but we don't sh- shop. We barely shop online. Okay. So having Amazon Prime isn't worth it, as for that reason. And then for watching shows, like we watched Reacher, a few uh, this earlier this month but i mean the last show we watched before reacher was rings of power yeah so like months went by before we watched something on on amazon prime again yeah we yeah between i i got uh, so i have another buddy who's always he's got the only one (laughs) you're the the only one you know of oh okay (laughs) Let's keep it that way. He, he's um, he downloads a lot of media content onto mm. his hard drives and onto his Apple Cloud, and he's constantly like, "Hey, man, it's it's all old stuff too. A lot of it, stuff you can't find on any streaming site, like old cartoons or old TV yep. shows and movies." Yep. And he's always like, "Anytime you want to borrow, it, just let me know." And I, my response to him is like, "I'm grateful. Like that's really cool that I I have that that he's he's." open to sharing that with me but my response was always like i already have there's always already so much content on netflix alone that i'm interested in like my watch list on netflix my is or my what do they call it yeah my list on netflix that of things i want to watch is already so untouched that i'd never like if if netflix was the only thing i was paying for I would get more than enough value out of it. I don't. I don't need another streaming service. I we pay for for Disney because my daughter watches a lot of it, and usually when we do our family movie nights on Friday night, we a movie is usually picked from Disney over Netflix. Sure. So I think what's we, like, in, I think what's interesting about it right now though is that like if you're someone who, um, is is into and wants to stay current with the big shows. Everything is so spread out. 
right? Mm-hmm. You want to watch The Mandalorian? You want to watch She-Hulk or Miss Marvel? You got to have you, Disney+. Plus. Yeah. You want to watch Stranger Things? You got to have Netflix. You want to watch... Um, the Last of Us. You want to watch The Last of Us? You got to have HBO Max. You want to watch Star Trek Picard or... Um, 1923 the the prequel spin-off series to Yellowstone well you got to have Paramount plus if you want to watch Yellowstone itself well you got to have peacock like it's it's you want to watch rings of power you got to have Amazon Prime and so it's just like in order to on and, on and I, it goes. I think that's I think that's the big culprit here is that there are these flagship shows things like Yellowstone that has huge popularity things like better call saul things like rings of power things like last of us that have become these cultural like you know get on get on the train here and watch these shows otherwise you're going to be left out of the topic and in order to do so in order to watch these hugely acclaimed shows you got to be you got to be on everything you got to have access to it all at least at some point yeah, and that, like, and you know what's really crazy is I'm just um, searching through this this Wikipedia page a bit more. Like, even if even if you there's a specific studio you like, so say I like I like every say I'm a guy who likes everything that Sony Pictures puts out. <coughs> the thing is, Sony Pictures has got is on three or four different streaming services. Mm-hmm. You get there's Sony properties on Netflix. Uh, Crunchyroll Funimation is Sony. Uh, there's a studio called Stan that, uh, or uh, sorry, a streaming service called Stan. It's only it's got under a, a million subscribers that has access to Sony per stuff. <coughs> but like if it's on Netflix, it's not going to be on these other things. If it's on Crunchyroll, it's not going to be on Netflix. If it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. So even if I want to watch everything Sony has to offer, Oh, Sony's got their own TV uh, streaming service too. Sony live. Even if I everything I want to watch, if I want to watch everything Sony, I've got to have four or five streaming services. Hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Which, and I think I think it's it, it's worse in Canada. Absolutely worse in Canada because mm-hmm. we don't have, you know, in in the states, so many more of these are kind of under one umbrella. Where for in Canada, <clears throat> it's it's been all broken up. Well, and on top of that, we have the CRTC that likes to do stupid things with oh don't talk to me about the crtc uh, man media i I, I, crtc is ridiculous i've been i've done stuff in the radio industry i've i've got no time of day for the crtc they they are they are an unnecessary organization yeah anyways moving on um zachary levi so one of the reviews that we've got coming up in the next little bit we're going to be late to the train on it just because there's life and stuff and things to do um but Shazam 2, Shazam Fury of the Gods is here. It's out in theaters now. Um, we'll talk about this either next week or when we when we do our review, but it has had a disastrous financial nightmare 
for its opening weekend. It, it's 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 bombed hard. Um, but I mean, the trailers have looked good. It looks fun. I don't know. I didn't even think the trailers looked great. I can't believe you watched the trailer. I mean, I've seen clips of them. I don't think I've watched a full trailer. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, (laughs) like this is my, I I don't, yeah. So I don't think I've seen the full trailer or any of them, but the glimpses I've seen, it seems like Shazam is fighting a bunch of, uh, other gods, but they're all old people. Uh, well, it's like Lucy Liu and, and yeah, so it's, it's they're all old. Yeah. But Lucy Liu's like in her what fifties now. Yeah. But whatever. She's badass, man. They're all old old people. Like that's not intimidating. (laughs) Well, so they're they're. I think the premise is that these are gods that are pissy because the wizard that gave like Shazam, the wizard that gave Billy his, his powers in order to get those powers, in order to give them to Billy, they those powers were stolen from these these women's father or something, and so it's like a revenge story. I don't know. I haven't I haven't seen it. Um, I am looking forward to seeing it, um, but obviously, Zachary Levi, who plays Shazam. Whether or not we're going to see him again has kind of been called into question with this whole reboot, sort of soft reboot. We don't really kind of even know anymore thing that's happening over at DC um, with with James Gunn and Peter Safran. Um, and so Zachary Levi was recently asked about it. They kind of said, like, um, what's uh, are we going to see you again? Like, what's is is there a future for your Shazam in in the DCU? Because obviously, uh, it looks like without a doubt, um, Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam is he's had his one he's had his one outing on the track. <laughs> like, we, I don't think that's that's going to happen again. Um, and so many other people have been have been recast and and canceled and X Y Z. So. Yeah, they said, like, a reporter asked him, basically, like, you know, what's the future? And Zachary Levi said, it all comes down to what the people want. We made a great movie. I'm really proud of this movie. I hope everyone goes and sees it. I hope they tell all their friends and family, it's all I can do. I can show up and be the best Shazam that I can be. He he goes on to say, trust me, wherever they say, we want you to be Shazam in this thing, I'd be like, great, let's do it. I'll do that. I do know that Peter Safran, who I've known for years, and James Gunn, who I've known for even longer, are really excellent leaders, and I trust where they are planning to take all this stuff. So basically, I think he gave the most well-thought-out, diplomatic, planned answer that he possibly could have given. And... I don't think that that's any accident. I don't think that was left up to chance. I guarantee you that that Zachary Levi's publicist sat down with him and said, "Look, you're going to get asked this question. <laughs> like that someone someone at some point during the press tour for this film is going to ask you, "Hey, what's, you know, where do you fit in to the shakeup that's happening over at DC?" Um and you know what? I think I think this was an excellent answer. He basically said like I 
I don't know. Um, it it kind of depends on what their plan is and and what the fans want. Um, but I love playing this character. Um, I've I've I do my best to pour everything into it and be the best Shazam that I can be. And I love playing this character so much that if if they come knocking, I will be there and I will do it. And if they don't come knocking, I trust them. I trust their vision. I trust what they're going to do. Um, and either way, I'm sure it's going to be great. You uh, you hear these this comment from him. What are your thoughts? Do you think it's A, likely that we're going to see him back again? And if not, um, how do you think overall, you know, how did he handle answering this question that was sort of thrust upon him there? Uh, well, I mean... It's it's kind of a non-answer, <laughs> right? Like he he leaves it open to just he just kind of says, "Yeah, I'd I'd do it if they can." And that's probably the only like he you know he he doesn't know. Yeah. I haven't yeah. gotten a call, but, <clears throat> well, but that, that doesn't mean that I won't. Even for for us that are kind of on outsiders in the industry, right? Like in the and that like we don't know what's going on behind closed doors with the DC universe. You know, we're not, I mean, I, I haven't talked to James Gunn lately. I don't know about you, <clears throat> but like, um, we don't, we don't know his plans. He's really. ignoring like, my calls. Um, <laughs> the, if I'm uh, being honest, <laughs> the roadmap he laid out was there was like, it, there was detail there, but it was still vague and it was not what people were expecting. Like we, everyone like we talked for episodes about how this was like throw it in the trash bin and burn it all. And then his roadmaps announced and it's like, okay, take some stuff out of the burn bin before it burns. (laughs) Yeah. We'd we'd like to keep this and this and this, but the rest can go. Like who knows what they're keeping? Who knows what they're burning? I, it's anybody's guess now, right? Like I have no idea. Yeah. So it's hard to it's hard to speculate when they're being the in it, the way that they're being because of the way that they're being vague mm-hmm. and uh, ambiguous about the future plans. Seems like a good answer though, eh? Like it it like it's yeah it's very um um what's the word I'm looking for political is like kind of not politically correct, but you know what I mean? That kind of, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good, pleases it's a everybody. Yeah. It's a good PR answer. Yeah. It's a PR answer. That's the word. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, I hope the movie's good. I look forward to seeing it. And, and I, I thought he was amazing in the first one. I, I thought that, you know, regardless of, Regardless of how the second one turns out, I think he's done a good job of embodying this character. Like I've enjoyed him as Shazam, and I'd yeah, like to I, see. I, him I enjoyed forward. the first film. Yeah, yeah. cool. Um, Quentin Tarantino. Have you heard of him? Uh, he's that uh, guy who uh, directed Star Wars, right? No, 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 no. Uh, Star Trek. It was Star Trek. That was my mistake. Uh, he almost did. He almost did. There was talks for a very long time that he was going to, and then he didn't end up doing it. <laughs> I feel like Star Trek would take on very different life if Tarantino <laughs> directed it. Well, but which is, I mean, that's I think for many reasons that's why so many people were excited about it. They were like, yeah. "Man, like, what could this be?" It would like, uh, it'd become 
very adult very fast. <laughs> but yeah, so Quentin Tarantino, obviously known for things like Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Django Unchained. Um, you know, the list goes on. For nine films, specifically, the list goes on. He's made nine films. And he's said for a very long time now, going back years and years and years, that he was going to make 10 movies. He was going to make 10 films. And once he'd made his 10th film, he was going to retire. And that was it. He was going to be done. And so each time a new Quentin Tarantino project was announced, we, you know, all eyes and ears kind of like perked up. Okay, that's that's one more tick. That's one more notch out of the belt. We were one step closer to to that's it. There's no more Quentin Tarantino. And then obviously once he finished Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which was his last film, the ninth film, that's when things really started to get crazy. Because questions became, okay, what what's coming? Whatever he does next is his last film. So what's it going to be? What's it going to be? And things started, like it said, things started circulating. Is it going to be, is he going to do his Star Trek film? Is that how he's going to go out? Is he going to do another Kill Bill? Is he going to do, like, what? what is he going to do for his final film? Well, it's now been announced that Quentin, Tar- Quentin Tarantino's final film is called The Film Critic. We don't really have any more details other than that. Um, but some people have sort of started speculating on, I guess there's a film critic from the 70s that he he's a, a big fan of or he's talked about a bunch in the past. Um she was instrumental in some things. I don't know. My, I didn't do a lot of research into that. I'm dropping the ball here. Um, but it it's kind of seems like that would maybe line up to be who this film could be about. Um, because Quentin Tarantino sort of has a little bit of a past of a doing films about stories, true stories that he admires that are Hollywood based um, because Quentin Tarantino, for those who don't know, is not only a filmmaker, he is a student of film. Like, he loves film and Hollywood. And, and you know, he's he's that little boy who's sitting in front of the TV at 10 years old or 8 years old with a bowl of popcorn watching the movies just dreaming and figuring out, like, how would you do this? And how how is that done? And so... Yeah, he likes to he likes to take true stories and then kind of tell them truthfully and kind of add his own fictional Quentin Tarantino feel to them, sort of as he did with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, but what are your thoughts? Do you you hear this? This is Quentin Tarantino's supposed final film <clears throat> called The Film Critic. Um, what are your thoughts on this? And and moreover. Do you actually think that the film critic, that Quentin Tarantino's 10th film, will be his final film? Uh, man, <clears throat> as a director, probably, maybe. So <clears throat> you sent me this, and I kind of uh, Googled Quentin Tarantino and this kind of report. 
and his <clears throat> the reason in this you know the the this is an Esquire um article here. He says that he doesn't he doesn't he thinks when people get when directors get old they their films get worse. <laughs> so he wants that's why he wants to be done at ten. He doesn't want to make old old man director films. <laughs> Which uh is an interesting thought. I don't I don't, don't know how don't true tell that Scorsese. Is. Yeah, I don't know how true that is. <laughs> But I mean, it's if that's his view on it. He's a pretty uh, unique individual when it comes to kind of eyes through the the camera to begin with. Like his his directorial style, his cinematography style that he brings to films is quite unique nowadays. Like it's it's always very kind of noir feeling, uh, or or like yeah just brutally honest and real in 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 terms of like showing you the, the blood and the gore and like if somebody's head gets hit with a bat this is what it looks like um man i would i'd be sad to see not see more tarantino films i like pretty much everything he's made um even though some of it's harder to watch than others. <laughs> uh, man. Yeah. Now. Yeah. As you were talking there too, the other thing I was doing was like, he's made more than 10 movies and he has, he's made lots of movies, but he hasn't directed them all as a I director. Is the, yeah. Is the, um, takeaway or they're like shared directing credits. Cause like, I think Planet Planet Terror is an old grindhouse film, but it's like it's like a it's it's one small story in the grindhouse film itself. So I don't think he he credits that, right? And then <clears throat> there are two Kill Bill films, but he only he he takes them together as one film credit to his 10 yes yeah so like he's and there are a few other things in there like that but so well kill bill's the only like double up but uh yeah i mean oh it uh would be have such kind of a visionary mind just stop making would be sad but i mean he's got a plan (laughs) good for him yeah yeah, it'll be interesting to see for sure. I listen. I think there's not a chance in hell that this is his last film as a director, um, because I think he likes doing it too much. I think, and I've heard other people talk about this. I I don't think he's lying. I think he believes right now that this is his last film. But I also think that you know, and I'm going to steal someone else's take on this verbatim pretty much because it, it nails it. You know, he'll, a couple of years from now, he'll be at the grocery store or he'll be, you know, doing whatever it is that, that he does. He'll be golfing on the back nine and an idea will hit him. Struck an idea will just, inspiration. something will just pop into his head, a concept. 
And he'll go, huh, okay. And then he'll get home and his wife will be telling him about her day and he'll be doing his best to to really pay attention to what she's saying, but that this concept, this idea is just going to be in his head itching, just itching away. And then and- he'll, just, he'll just interrupt her and be like, can you imagine if Samuel Jackson did this as a role? Well, it, but I think, and I think it, yeah, exactly. But I think it'll be, I think it'll be slow and progressive, right? Like he, he'll have this idea and then he'll, he'll go to, you know, he'll kind of sit on it and just leave it and, you know, whatever. No, I said, I'm done. I'm out. And then he'll be sitting in his home office one day and, and he'll go, well, just, just, just out of shits and giggles. Like if, if I if if I had done this film, what would this scene look like? And he'll start like typing something out and just you know just uh, just for fun, just like yeah, I got nothing to do, I'm retired, you know, just kind of like ah. Oh. And I think I think sure enough, the time will come where where he makes an eleventh film, and and it. I don't think that'll be a bad thing either. Like, I don't think people are going to go, well, you said you were done at 10. Like, if if six, seven, eight, ten years later, all of a sudden the headlines are, Quentin Tarantino returns to directing for, you know, blah, blah, blah. Everyone is going to, everyone's going to be like, oh, I have to see what this film is. This is the film that, that brought Quentin Tarantino out of retirement. Like... This is this the eleventh mu- film. Yeah, this oh. is the must see movie. If so, I I I think there's no chance in hell that he's done. But it will be interesting to see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the movie critic what it's about. And I mean, he's betting against Quentin Tarantino is is it's bad odds. So I'm sure it's going to be a good film. I'm sure it's going to be a very interesting film. I'm sure it's going to be a very long film. Um, yeah. Well, for somebody be- who's got it planned out, I wonder if he's got like planned out what he's going to do after. You know what I mean? Like, how, if he keeps himself busy with another with some other kind of projects, like maybe he's he's just after ten films, he's like he's got it planned out that he's going to move from film directing to stage production directing. Yeah, he's going still... to direct similar stuff on the live stage instead, you know, <laughs> like, so he can still get that creative juice flowing, but he's done with his 10 films. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know, man. Like you, you, people can make all sorts of plans and then inspiration strikes and <clears throat> yeah, you find yourself doing something you didn't plan. Uh, moving on. We were just talking about the... DC announcement, the lineup of DC films that are coming, um, and DC, DC TV shows as well. Those uh, those HBO Max little bastards that are going to rob us of our hard-earned money. Um, but when looking at the lineup of DC projects that are coming, there's a couple, they're kind of kicking things off. Peter Gunn and Peter Gunn. James Gunn and Peter Safran are kind of kicking things off with a couple of of television series um but the first big sort of marquee flagstone film in this new dcu is superman legacy they're gonna kick things off with superman and during that announcement it was also announced that james gunn was writing the film 
that he was in the process yeah. of writing it. Um, and I think he's actually been writing it for a very long time because prior to him being hired as the head of the studio, DC had basically farmed out to several different people write a, write a Superman script, right? There was a Superman <clears throat> script coming for a while that I think, was it Michael B. Jordan was potentially going to be a Superman? We were going to get a black know. Superman but film. I, yeah, we were going to get... I read something this morning that said he was working on it while Black Adam was in production. Yes. Yeah. Because <clears throat> so the article was talking about how he thought it was really crummy the way the studio treated um, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. Yeah. yeah. So I think he was writing this film for a very long time. And then when all of a sudden he was the studio head he just went, okay, of all the different Superman films that we have treatments for, that that, that these different writers have, have come up with under the old regime of DC, I like mine best. <laughs> so we're good. This, this is the story. This is the version of Superman we're going to do. Of course um, he likes his best. <laughs> but, we, but what we didn't know was who was going to direct it. James Gunn obviously being a director. Um, he's directed... In my opinion, you haven't seen it yet. We got to get on that. But he's directed one of the best, if not maybe the best, DC film under the old regime with the his Suicide Squad film. Um, obviously, he's the mastermind behind the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. And so it started, you know, rumor or speculation started to circulate. Well, is James Gunn also going to direct the Superman film? And there was arguments for both sides of it wow of course james gunn's gonna direct it it's superman and he can assign whatever director he wants and wouldn't you want if you were a film director wouldn't you want to direct a superman film like of course he's gonna do it but then on the flip side of it it was like well but he's also got to be kind of careful about how he manages his time here because <laughs> he is a studio head right like he can't just dive into this film and give it 110% of his attention because there's a lot of other meetings and things that he needs to be a part of. Well, we now have official word that the director of Superman Legacy will, in fact, be James Gunn. I'm both excited about this, and I think that this makes the most logical sense. I'm excited for it because I think James Gunn is a fantastic director. I love the, the blend of seriousness with also a little bit of like joy and, and whimsical that he's able to bring to his characters and his stories and, and his actors' performances. So I think that that's something to look forward to because it's been a long time since we've had a fun it, – it's been a long time since we've seen fun Superman. Right? Well, like, yeah. There's the nothing previous DC fun universe about was the DC pretty character. dark. Yeah, there's nothing fun about the the previous DCEU. Yeah. Right? It's 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 kind of it's dark and it's heavy and it's, you know, dark whatever. Really, the last time we got an on-screen like super fun Superman was Christopher Reeves. It's been a long time. It's been <clears> a long time. I mean, I haven't I haven't really seen him, so I them, so I can't say, but there is the uh, Arrowverse the, Superman. 
No, I'm uh, sorry. I mean like big screen film. Yeah. Okay. Right. We had the Brandon Ralph one, the <clears throat> Superman Returns, but that was not a good movie. So at, at least in my, there were parts of it that were redeemable, but yeah, I don't but think, it was yeah, just so not like, enough, not enough to as a whole redeem the, the film. Yeah, it was just messy that it was like this is a sequel. This is a sequel. 25, 30 years later, but no time has passed in universe. <laughs> like, we're just going to recast everyone. And this is the Christopher Reeve Superman, but now it's played by Brandon Ralph. And it was just like, I, I, I don't know. Anyways, the reason why I think this makes perfect sense, this is the absolute logical choice, is because you are, as James Gunn, setting up a whole new DC universe. You are creating a new roadmap with a new vibe, a new energy, a new DC universe. Setting the stage, setting, setting the, the tone. Stage. And you and oh, well, no, ju- but just in just in general, like that is what he's doing with this new slate as his yeah. job as head of the studio, they are creating a new DC <clears throat> universe. And whatever film comes out first, in this case being Superman Legacy, is going to absolutely do what you just said. It is going to set the tone. It is going to be the roadmap. It's going to be the the reference for all future directors in this new DC universe to kind of look at and go, okay, this is the universe that we're playing in. This is what we're... These are our sort of boundaries as far as tone and, and whatever else. And so... You want, as head of the studio, you want to make sure that that first film is exactly what you want it to be tonally so that that roadmap is set out the way that you want it to be set out. So having having the guy in charge with the plan, with the vision, also be the one kind of saying like, here, okay, everyone, we're going to do a new DC universe. It's going to feel quite a bit different. Um, here, I've made an example for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> please <Yeah>. see example <laughs> A. Um, I think this makes total sense. I'm excited for it. What are your thoughts? <laughs> My initial thought <clears throat> was, uh, was uh, when I read this, was, is is he directing all the films? <laughs> no, there's Which, no I mean, way. It's, a, it's an impossible task for... Yeah, he just he won't have the time or energy or anything else to. Well, and you'd be getting really a DC film every three and a half four <clears throat> years, like it just but, you know. Yeah, so <laughs> it's it's just a funny thought though, right? Like I re- wrote this one, and I'm going to direct it, and I'm going to direct everything else too. Yeah, <laughs> but this is yeah. mine now. <laughs> this is this is my universe, literally. Um. I think it's uh, yeah, it's it seems like a smart move, right? Yeah, like um, draw the parallel to the DC universe. We kind of got Hulk and Iron Man both as kind of the groundwork for the MCU, <clears throat> and with Iron Man being the more successful of the two, the rest of the movies that followed kind of followed the uh, the tonal format that Iron Man set forth. Right. This is we're we're taking this world serious. This this th- these ideas are uh, are serious, but within the universe, there are moments of of levity where where they don't take them as serious. 
you know, Rhodey and Pepper walking in on Iron Man struggling to get his armor off. You know, uh, little little laughing moments to lighten the mood and bring some color and and uh, brevity to situations. So, yeah, I mean, and and yeah, we we kind of got that tone for the movies right up till pretty much I would say Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. where Guardians kind of f- took took that format that. Iron Man laid out and it said, okay, we like this, but I'm going to amplify these, these two aspects rather than downplay them. Right. Where, so like Iron Man kind of downplayed the comedy aspects a little bit so that could be still be a serious sort of action hero film. But there was moments of comedy where guardians in the galaxy was just like, no, no, Comedy, comedy is going to be one of the main focuses of this. Everything's going to be funny. <laughs> Everything's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, but it's also, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think we just, we always look at it and remember it as a super funny film. It's it's still a heavy, I mean, the movie starts no. with <clears throat> his mother dying of cancer. Like, it's still no, a- Yeah, but but like, I, 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 I said, like, he followed the, he's like, took the template Iron Man set out and he just amplified, he changed it. To, to make make his own f- unique kind right. of template. But then, but then the last thing you said was, everything's going to be funny. And I just wanted to clarify oh. that there are certainly <laughs> there, no. a lot of yes. heavy there moments are, in that movie. Yeah, there are exceptions, obviously. there Because, yeah, it's still a film dealing with annihilation of the <laughs> universe and stuff like that with the Power Stone. But, uh, <clears throat> but then again, you know, like, after that film came out, Thor Ragnarok kind of copied that template and moved forward that way. Which is funny because and, I uh, think that Thor Ragnarok, while hilarious, is also potentially like it's in the top three darkest MCU films that there is. Right. <clears throat> but I think those dark, serious moments take more of a backseat to the overall story well i mean the over no because like the the main ticker of the overall story is that his home and their world is completely destroyed that asgard's destroyed that's that's the through the through plot that kind of drives where things are going next right yeah that happens i think think you're missing my point in that you know like beginning of the movie mjolnir's destroyed they're kind of cast out of asgard but then almost immediately we get right back into the, the funny buddy comedy stuff. Oh, for sure. It's a perfect, you know I mean? like it, it, it's it takes a perfect balance that, that, that th- those serious moments are what kind of drive the movie forward, but they take a back seat to the comedic elements. Uh, yeah. I mean, potential. I think it's, I think it's a perfect balance, but yeah, we're, for, we're, I, we're an iron man. The comedic moments take a back seat to the serious moments. Yeah. I, I I would have to go. I'd have to go back and like rewatch and and do an, an analysis. Like uh, Ragnarok is certainly more. It has more humor packed into it. Um, but as far as like, I think we might be we might be doing apples to oranges here because I'm as far as like what is the balance, what is the ratio, and like what is backseated. 
I I couldn't say. I'd have to go through and like, <clears throat> you know, yeah. Because I mean, oh. even even moment, even <clears throat> movies like Captain Marvel that don't feel like particularly funny movies, they have like Goose the Cat, and they have like yeah. all you know all this this conflict with young young um, Nick Fury, <clears throat> and so I I I don't know. I'd have to go back and, but yes, certainly I I do I get what you're saying, and I don't disagree. Yeah. They, yeah, they follow a certain format. Yeah, so I think yeah, Gunn's doing a um, a service to his universe by setting the stage that he wants set. Yeah, cool. Okay, moving on to our final topic, in uh, a topic that we're going to talk sort of not in total depth about because it's also something um, that we'll touch on in many ways in our review of the show The Mandalorian. Uh, but The Mandalorian, season three is out now. It's happening. We've all been waiting. Here it is. And it's getting the lowest ratings in series history. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I don't know. I think this could be for several reasons. It could be that um, it could be that Book of Boba Fett really hurt it. It could be that some of the mystery now, like that people are, are watching the first couple episodes and and the story has kind of taken a big shift, right? So like the first two seasons are very much about the mystery of Grogu, the mystery of Baby Yoda. What is the deal with Baby Yoda? And now, you know, certainly there's probably a, a bunch more things to learn about Grogu, but... Uh, also the you know a lot of the big mysteries were kind of uh, kind of came to a head and then were dealt with and tossed out with the dishwater in a different series altogether in book of boba fett and now we're back and it's like okay yeah he's a he's force sensitive he was could have been a jedi started training to be a jedi doesn't want to be a jedi there he is isn't he cute and so, like, I think that might be part of it is that it's taken this big major shift and it's it's shifted the focus off of their biggest marketing franchisable or not franchisable, merchandisable thing in Grogu um, because Baby Yoda's everywhere. And uh, so I don't know. It, it, it could be a lot of different things. It could be that, you know, after... After watching Andor, we all fell in love with Andor and was like, wow, this is this is one of the greatest things that Star Wars has made in a very long time. Uh, maybe Mandalorian Season 3 is not... I mean, they're definitely very different shows, not only in, like, plot, but in just construction, just, like, style of the show, style of storytelling. They're very, very different shows. And so maybe... Maybe Andor set the bar too high. I don't know. Without going into too many details, um, because I, like I said, I do want to save this for our Mandalorian reviews. Uh, I, what are your thoughts? Like, what are are the things that I said <coughs> potential? Are they out to lunch? Do you have an additional idea? What do you think? Man, I, I'm a little surprised by this, but <clears throat> at the same time, with kind of the rumor mill spitting out all kinds of stuff with about um, over the last couple of years about kind of the ununified Disney camp making content uh, and kind of 
it, it doesn't and kind of, yeah, the, the, with the and or not kind of hitting the way they wanted, even though we thought it was really good. And some people, other people think it was really good. Others don't think it was that great. Obi-Wan was a hot mess. Obi-Wan kind of same thing. You know, you got two mixed camps thinking it's good or thinking it's not great. And then you've got, um, the book of Boba Fett, same thing. You know, some people think it was really good. Some people think it was a mess. So it just, it really does, even though, so spoiler for our future, (laughs) uh, Mando episodes, like I'm really enjoying Mando right now. I think it's great. I think it's as good as the first season, but with all the, uh, it feels like, there's just been a, a a loss of trust from the community and people just aren't jumping on the bandwagon right away. That's what I, that's my takeaway anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the ratings aren't necessarily just that like people aren't watching. It's that people are watching and not liking like it's scoring poorly, whether it be IMDB, whether it be rotten tomatoes, like people don't like it. Yeah. But like, for for Mando season three, I don't see why. Like even when we talked, I didn't. I was you. You said you didn't really like the first episode. I did. I could I could kind of see it, but especially the last two episodes, I don't see it. I, I just don't. Maybe maybe you got a different take, and we'll get into that in, in our Mando episodes. Mm-hmm. But I just I don't see it. Like I can I can definitely see it for book of fett i could definitely see the split for andor i can definitely see the split for obi-wan and why people hate it or dislike it or even love it love those properties but i just i don't see it for season three Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know like i said if if you're interested in hearing more check out our mandalorian probably season or episode two and episode three of season three uh, uh, reviews, because we're going to go into more detail for sure, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's interesting. I, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see what this means. Does this spell certain doom for a season four, right? We know that season four has been written by John Favreau, but or at least, you know, like storyboarded. He's, we, he he's knows on it, where it's going. Yeah. Um, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's not going to go. I will, I will just, we'll have to wait and see. It's kind of all we can do. But uh, yeah, that's the news. That's all of it. That's it. That's all. Get out of here. I, I promised shorter than two and a half hours and I delivered. Yeah. I mean, it was going to be hard to go longer than two and a half hours, but, you know, yeah. Thank you for listening. Make sure you check out our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'll post it below. Uh, it's a great way to stay in touch with us and engage in our uh, movie votes where you get to choose what film we're going to watch and review on the podcast. Check out our Patreon. A wicked way to support the show for as little as a buck a month. Everyone can afford a buck a month, pretty much. And um, it's also a great way to increase your voting power on the aforementioned, previous aforementioned previously mentioned on the previously mentioned uh, it, social media votes. Uh, and also check out our merch page. 
You know, summer's coming. You're going to need a snazzy new t-shirt, some, you know, some bitchin' swag to wear to the beach. We got you covered. We don't sell swimsuits yet. A beach towel or a swimsuit? Ooh, we should sell banana hammocks. (laughs) I don't even know. There's not enough room to print the logo. I don't, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Send us off with something, something witty. Say something so witty that you just, you're just going to surprise yourself. Um, bye everyone. I love it. Bye.